The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour of blessing. Good morning and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade Telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on Station XDTV, Channel 13 in San Diego. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Station KPSC, Channel 13 in Palm Springs. From 7 to 8 a.m. on Station KVTV, Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 230 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME, Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central California, Numa, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church is located at 1043 Middle Street, the headquarters of the Gospel Kingdom of God for the whole world, with the sign of the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon, a landmark in Cali for 98 years, and a prayer towel, the first of its kind in Hawaii used exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada Bilotbaum on August the fall of 1923, and pass on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel work to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. We start off our musical program with a song entitled, He Is Our Peace, sung by the members of the church choir. They're led by choir director Emilia Hahn and accompanied by Tiare Summers on the piano and Rose Pohaku Carter on the organ. What a blessing it is to have Jesus in our lives. Someone to call upon whom we know cares about us and hears our every prayer. 
when we place our trust in Him, we know He will all work out all things according to His will, His way, and His time. Please join in and sing along with our choir, following the words on your screen.
I'm next is the church band to play the first number entitled Jacob's Song, led by yours truly. Han is our vocalist today. She will sing a lovely song entitled On Eagle's Wings. Christy is accompanied by myself on the piano. 
trusty associate pass, Evans Broke Sr., Mason Asano Sr. on the guitars, associate pass, Marvin Upping on the bass, and Iris Locke on the drums. It is a comfort to have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as the rock of our salvation. As we faithfully allow him into our hearts and minds, he is our refuge, protector, and comforter.
For the second, the church choir will sing, Remind Me, Dear Lord.
And now we have a trumpet ensemble made up of members of the church band to play a rendition of My Jesus, I Love Thee.
group vocal today will be performed by Saints in Harmony, who will sing the song, The Haven of Rest. This beautiful song is dedicated to Darlin D. Higashi of Maui. Darlin, may the Lord continue to bless you with your faithfulness to Him, and may the joy of the Lord be upon your heart and mine always. Have a blessed day. Say. 
for the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. Hi, praise the Lord everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda and I would like to repeat our television time station locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in Los Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning our schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches. Our services are all conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castaneda Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Walter I. Tin Loy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Hawaii, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawain, and by Pastor Vesper Espera and President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. At our Maui branch church, in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the de de address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program to head pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his spirit-directed and spirit-inspired sermon. Billy. Thank you, Melvin. To be a member in the family of Jesus, TV viewers, requires living a tough lifestyle. There are many in the world, and in our country for that matter, who do not appreciate this lifestyle. It is too restrictive or too limiting. They maintain because it seeks to exclude sin and make it repulsive. Whether we like it or not, this is the way the Lord would have it. I hope my sermon, Humility in Giving, and prayer prompts spiritual beauty and blessings will make a special and significant impact upon you so that in spite of its toughness, you will choose to live the lifestyle of Jesus beginning with your being baptized in his precious holy name if you have not yet met this requirement. If you have, however, 
then you can take the sermon to heart and let it make a difference in your life as a member of God's family. This message is the third part of the Sermon on the Mount. One of the greatest curses of the church today is external religion. We have many people who look good on the outside, but who are rotten on the inside. They look like heavenly creatures on the outside, but they are hypocrites on the inside. They go to church. They talk of a good religion. They show off their works. They boast of their righteousness. But deep down in their hearts, they are not right with God. It was just this kind of people to whom Jesus spoke in Matthew, the sixth chapter. As he preached, a multitude of people listened to him. Among them, there were many religious leaders of his day. He knew what was in their hearts. Read in John 2, 24 to 25, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and he did not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. The sum total of their religion was external. Their hearts were not right with God. No wonder he lashed out against them and called them hypocrites. There are three things I would like to bring out and unveil to you from the first 18 verses of Matthew, the sixth chapter. First is the trumpeting of gifts. Read in Matthew 6, 1, 2, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Jesus here assumes that we are going to give. He doesn't say if, but when we give. As far as a true born-again believer is concerned, he must always keep a place in his heart for giving. One thing for certain, one can never outgive the Lord. If, like the Dead Sea, one keeps all and gives nothing, his spiritual life and power will surely dry up. If, like the Sea of Galilee, he gives as well as receives, he becomes a fountain of blessing and a joy to God. Oh, that the saints might learn not only the lesson of giving from the heart, but the joy of giving. Paul tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. Read in 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he proposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Many are cheating themselves of life's greatest happiness because they use everything for themselves and give nothing. But Jesus also tells us how not to give. We are not to give to be seen of men. He pictures the manner in which a hypocrite gives. Here the man decides to bring a gift to the church. He has a servant, or God go ahead of him and sound the trumpet so that all can hear. And as the man passes by, everyone comes out to see him. Then he holds up his huge gift for all to see. And in effect says, look what a wonderful man I am. Here is a huge gift that I'm going to present to the Lord. Jesus calls that a man a hypocrite. His main reason for giving to the Lord was so he could be seen of men. Jesus condemned such practice. What is a hypocrite? Actually, it means one wearing a mask. 
I recently read an article that said there is no folly in the world so great as to be a hypocrite. The hypocrite is hated of the world for seeming to be a Christian. He's hated by God for not being one. He hates himself and is even despised by Satan for serving him and not acknowledging it. Hypocrites are really the best followers of and the greatest dupes that Satan has. They serve him better than any other and receive no wages at that. And what is even more reprehensible is that they submit to greater mortification to go to hell than the most sincerest Christians to do, do to go to heaven. The desire being more to be so than to seem so. Jesus pronounces woes upon them. Read in Matthew 23, 13 to 15, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. When a hen lays an egg, she cackles quite loudly so that everyone in the neighborhood knows that she has done something wonderful. And some people are like that in giving. They want the world to know what they have done. I'm afraid that this type of giving is often encouraged. Men trust in their wealth and boast of themselves in the multitude of their riches. Read in Psalms 49, 11 to 12 and 16, 19. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is, not, he is like the peace that perish. But he is not a thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of thy fathers. They shall never see light. Take, for example, a man who gives a million dollars, an amount which doesn't involve any more sacrifice than the signing of his name to a check, for he has millions of dollars left. But as he gives his trumpet all over the country through the media of television, the newspapers, the radios, extra. Jesus said that such men have their reward. What is their reward? It isn't a reward from heaven. It is just a reward of being seen of men. And that is most certainly a poor and fleeting reward. Do you remember the story of the poor widow and her mites? Let us read Luke 21, 1-4. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow casting into the two mites. And he said, Of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all of these have of their abundance cast unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. Jesus tells us how to give. We are to give in such a way that no one comes up and says, You are wonderful. You have given such a huge gift. Even the giver himself should take as little notice as possible of what he has given. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 3-4, But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. That is secret giving. And he tells that God will reward us for this type of giving. I have seen two kinds of giving in our church. A saying of God put his tithes and offerings in an envelope and drops it into a receptacle. 
Now that money goes to support the gospel, the kingdom of God. No one brags about this gift because no one knows about it. On the other hand, I've seen saints giving their tithes and offerings with full assurance that the pastor knows from whence the money came. Really, I would rather have God's reward than man's. One man glorifies himself in his giving, the other man glorifies God. Now Jesus said that we should present gifts without the sounding of trumpets. Let us digress from a moment from our servant to one of man's greatest need, the salvation of his soul. Our birthright is to be children of God. How can we do that? You may ask. We accomplish it by being born of water and of the Spirit as found in John 3, 5. Very, very, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And in the seventh verse, he reads, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Today many are haughty and full of pride and will not come down from the tree of the world to accept Jesus. Yes, viewers, keeping the law, going to church, being religious and following a religious creed to the very letter will not save you. Your spouse, your minister, your church cannot save you. Only the name of Jesus will save you and remit your sins. Read in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why must you be born again? It's simple. The Lord Jesus Christ said so. That ought to settle it. There should be no reason for argument. When he who is the Almighty God says you must be born again, ye ought to know. We all inherit a sinful nature. This nature that we all receive from our first father Adam is fallen, corrupt, and sinful. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. God tells us that the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. How can one be born again? He must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by immersion in water. Baptism means to dip, plunge, or immerse, not sprinkle or pour. And baptism is essential to salvation. Jesus tells us in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Therefore, choose this day whom you will serve, God or the devil. The choice is yours. To be born of the Spirit to speak in an unknown tongue is the only evidence cited in the Bible which can be used to confirm that one has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Your next question could most likely be, why is the name of Jesus so important in baptism? Acts 4.12 clearly states, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. This is our birthright. And when we forsake this birthright, we forsake God. To be born again Christian as is a natural as for a fish to remain in water. When a fish is out of the water, he is not going to live long, for he's out of his natural habitation. Likewise, when individuals are living apart from God, they are out of their natural habitation. The result is spiritual death. We go now to the second subject of our sermon, talking to God. Jesus again points to the hypocrites as we read in Matthew 6, 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. In other words, their whole attitude was not one of humility and contrition. They struck a pose. They prayed so as to catch the eyes of passerby and not the ear of God. Well, they have their reward. They had the commendation of men. 
But that's all there was to it. Their prayers didn't go up to God, and therefore their answers did not come down. As an illustration, he referred to the Pharisees in the temple. He went straightway to the front, stood where everyone could see him, and prayed so that everyone could hear him. He boasted of his goodness and gifts, as we read in Luke 18, 11, 12. The Pharisee stood and prayed, and thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Jesus said, everyone who exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The Bible tells us that he prayed within himself. God was not a part of the transaction at all. Jesus is telling us that our religion should not be a boastful thing. It must not be a thing of public exhibition and used to display our piety to impress people. Read Matthew 6, 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Yes, God will reward us openly. I'm sure every one of you in my viewing audience has had this experience. You prayed in secret. Only you and God knew anything about it. Then the answer came. And the whole world was able to see it. Still, you and God alone shared the secret. For the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Jesus warns us of unnecessary repetitions as we read in the seventh verse. But when he pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that it shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. In other words, we are not to repeat memorized prayers or phrases over and over until they become mechanical and lose their meanings. We must approach God alone and open our hearts to Him. We must talk to Him as a child talks to his father. This is true prayer. Jude tells us in verse 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, one who is willing to let God have His way at all costs, can be controlled by the Holy Spirit, so that He really desires and prays for what is the will of the Father. Such a prayer is always answered. It is the Spirit who maketh intercession for a child of God in prayer. Read in Romans 8, 26, 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, if my son needed a new pair of shoes, he wouldn't read something from a book or tell someone else about it. He would say, Dad, look, these shoes are wearing out. I need a new pair. And that's the way we are to talk to God, simple and right to the point. Thus, we see that prayer is something which wells up out of the secret depths of the heart and soars up on the wings of faith toward the throne of grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Finally, we come to the third subject of our sermon, teaching us to pray. Did you know, viewers, that the power and value of prayer can be summed up in six words? Prayer changes things. Prayer changes you. I am quite sure that many a person burdened down with the care of life and filled with doubts and fears can appreciate these words when they stop to pray. Jesus gives us what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is so important in our spiritual life that Jesus set out a rare model for us to use. Therefore, all of us, our praying should be in keeping with the spirit of this prayer model. We must suggest God as our Father. Can everyone do that? No, only those who are His children, only those who have been truly born again of water and of the Spirit can say so. Some people are not God's children, although they are His creatures. We become His children when we are born again. 
John 1, 12 tells us, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. The normal way to pray to God is through his son, Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. We come to a father who, who knows our needs and who can supply them. An earthly father may know our needs, but may not be able to supply them. However, God can supply all our needs through his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yes, God who is a spirit is in heaven. A boy once asked, if God is everywhere, does this prayer say, Our Father, which art in heaven? And he answered, Because that's his headquarters. Then comes reverence. Hallowed be thy name. The Bible tells us holy and reverence is his name. What is his name? His name is Jesus, the almighty God. In this world, there is no name comparable to the name of Jesus. We must never take or use the name of the Lord as a part of profanity. Thy kingdom come. Jesus refers here to the time when he will come again to set up his kingdom. Certainly, there will be no sign of this kingdom being set up until he comes. His kingdom will be one of righteousness and peace. We see no sign of universal peace of righteousness in the world today. Only his coming will straighten out the world and usher in his kingdom. He must come, and like John on the Isle of Patmos, we must pray for that coming. In the meantime, we ought to be busy for him, occupying until he comes. Thy will be done. Here he brings it right home to our own hearts. The will of God may not abide in the lives of famous people, but as far as we are concerned, we can do his will according to the best of our abilities. It isn't always easy to do this. It often means sacrifice, the giving up of our own desires and wishes and merging them into his will. Give us this day, our daily bread. It's a petition to our Lord for today and now. Read Matthew 6, 34, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, seek the spiritual things first, and the material blessings will follow. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There is no promise for tomorrow. If we were to rely on all the tomorrows, we would be collecting a lot of yesterdays. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Means that if we don't forgive others, God won't forgive us. If we don't forgive others, God will not discard us from his family. However, we will not enjoy his fellowship, nor have the kind of peace in our hearts which comes from developing a forgiving spirit. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All of us are going to be tempted at one time or another. Therefore, we must ask God not to leave us in the midst of temptation, but to deliver us from it. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way of excuse to wait to escape that he may be able to bear it. Indeed, viewers, God allows every temptation, but gives strength that he may be able to bear it. Therefore, no Christian need ever be defeated. If you would like to know more about God's word, the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, 
please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Blehan Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of his hands. And now the church band will conclude today's telecast with an uplifting song titled, At Calvary. The program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.